When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From Pod World Headquarters, this is the Carolina Insider from Learfield. Presented by Dewey's Bakery. Celebrate every day. We're back. Time for another edition of the Carolina Insider. Jones and Virtual Adam here with you. And we have yet another terrific edition of the show. Holiday week version of the show. Adam is joining via Zoom. He is in paradise. He is. I had to get him out of the pool, off the water slide, with his $78 Diet Coke in his hand. He is in Atlantis, the Bahamas, with the basketball Tar Heels. They start action in that event tomorrow, Wednesday, against Northern Iowa. Then we'll have games on Thursday and Friday. I am here in Pod World headquarters. I never leave Pod World headquarters ever. And I am here. We had Mac Brown live last night, of course. That's in your podcast feed. We've got Carolina NC State coming up this weekend as well. So this is a Big Daddy show now. Or a Jones show, as I like to call it. We're going to look back at this past weekend. Basketball beats UC Riverside. Football, man, just couldn't get out of its own way against Clemson. Bunch of big Olympic sport victories, a national championship, some the soccer teams both moving on in the NCAA tournament. We'll talk about all of that as well. No guests today. We're going to have a trimmed down version of the show. Adam, since he was going to be in his Speedo in the Bahamas, wanted as thin a version of the show as possible. Adam, what's up? So if I'm in the Bahamas and you're in Pod World headquarters, we're both in paradise. Yeah, that's right. Just different feel. Only one of us has gorgeous blue water uh, outside their window. Only one of us uh, though, is uh, can look at that refrigerator that has a lock on it right outside the window and get some delicious CZ anytime he wants. So, I'm actually doing this while going down the lazy river. Yeah, which they've changed the name to the rapid river. That doesn't feel very lazy things, anymore. Yeah, things might get a little treacherous. You got to keep your head on a swivel. All month long, of course, we're presented by Dewey's and exciting news. Adam and I have received some Dewey's just in time for Adam to go to the Bahamas. And so we will have some Dewey's with us next week, right before the end of the month. We have, we have been given the gift of classic North Carolina baked goods. Dewey's Bakery has been crafting mouthwatering treats in Winston-Salem since 1930. Thin, flavorful Moravian cookies, scrumptious Moravian sugar. How do they say it in the Bahamas, Adam? Breadmon! <laughs> Visit Dewey's.com to order online and ship nationwide let's start with basketball we'll go in chronological order Friday night Carolina UC Riverside Tariel's lead by as many as 21 in the first half lead by over 30 for a 
fair amount of the second half, right around like 32, 30, 28, kind of in that range. UC Riverside hit a couple of threes late. Tariels win by 25, 77, 52. Adam, Carolina's defense was good. Now, Riverside has a tough time shooting the basketball. Um, Carolina helped them in that way, though. I thought they played good defense. Riverside, and this is generous, made 30.6% of their shots, and that was with a hot close to the game. They were in the 20s for a majority of this game. Um, they... I mean, Carolina just outclassed Riverside in every way. Uh, the only thing I think that Carolina leaves this game not happy about is rebounding. UC Riverside did out-rebound at the Tar Heels uh, by 138-37, but they also missed a bunch of shots. So, I mean, just by percentages, there's going to be more rebounds av- available to you. So, from start to finish, Carolina was the better team in this one. Um, the Tar Heels shared the ball. They went inside. They got out in transition, had a couple highlight plays. That Trimble dunk was the highlight of the year so far. And uh, just a quality win for Carolina against a team that the Tar Heels are better than. Yeah, on the rebounding, Coach Davis said to you after the game that he didn't care about the numbers of shots made and missed, that that didn't matter. Like, kind of matters. And just like, mathematically it matters. I understand what he's saying. And – and. Uh, Riverside had more offensive rebounds than Carolina, but Carolina was so much more efficient with the offensive rebounds that they did get. Second chance points ended up being 16 or 17 to two or something. Yeah, 16 so to Tariels, two. Yeah. So the Tarios weren't just grabbing the ball and flinging it back at the rim. They were doing something to try to get a good shot second and third time around. So I thought that was productive. They'll need to do that. You've got to do that to score if you're not going to make the initial shot, which through three games are – it's a little, it's kind of concerning, but not really because I do think Carolina is a better shooting team than this. Tarles really aren't shooting it very well, especially the ones who you figure will be taking the bulk of the shots. RJ Davis and Cormac Ryan and, and Harrison Ingram just, they just haven't shot it the way that you think they will, but they're going to need to do so this week. Two of 15 from three point range, those three guys, including Davis and Ryan being one of 11. So, I mean, Carolina's got – and the thing that I do think is encouraging, and I think this happened both I, – I can't – the Lehigh game, it's like a it's – like it's like a unicorn, Adam. I don't even remember if I actually saw it or if it was just a dream. But the, uh, the Radford game and the UC Riverside game, I definitely remember thinking the Tar Heels are taking good shots from three. They just aren't going in. And so – I mean, Cormac Ryan had one, a wide open, like wide open feet set corner or wing three. And it like, it like got into a traffic circle or something and turned left when it was in midair and didn't hit anything. So you don't expect that to continue. You hope it doesn't become kind of a mental thing at some point, because I do think Carolina has better shooters than this. This is part of the way this team was constructed to be able to shoot better than this. I think the good news is is that Carolina has still won comfortably in three games, granted, against teams they're better than, but they've won comfortably without shooting well. I'm not sure it would have been necessarily the same. I'm not saying Carolina would have lost any of these games last year, but I'm just not sure that it would have been as easy is not the right word, but as comfortable a victory as any of these were considering the shooting percentages from three. I do think whether they would have won or lost, I do feel like when Carolina shot this poorly last year, you walked away from that game thinking that was hard to watch and it just wasn't very much fun. Carolina didn't shoot well in the Riverside game and it was fun to watch. Like it, it Carolina played basketball well and I understand this sounds weird, other than the part about shooting well from the outside, which I know is a part of basketball, but they did the other things well. They defended, they passed, sometimes they even overpassed. They had that one three-on-two fast break where it was like they everyone wanted to be the one to make the pass and no one wanted to be the one to make the shot. I'd still rather have that than we're all fighting over who shoots it. So I, I, it feels like, and we'll find out a lot more this week, it feels like this is a well-put-together team. Like it's well-constructed. It has the pieces you need to be successful. You just need this last piece of the shooting to to fall into place. 
Adam, it's interesting with all the new – like the way this team was constructed, to your point, you have these two guys who've played a million games for Carolina, and R.J. Davis and, and Armando Baycott. And then you have all these new guys, and then you have the guys the, – the two guys who have been Tar Heels but hadn't really played a ton necessarily, and Seth Trimble and Jalen Washington – And I thought they both really had good games. And not just because they scored 11 points each. I thought they did good things. I I mean, Seth Trimble, of course, had that dunk. But he continues to play really good defense. And it's kind of hard to take him off the floor right now. I mean, I I just feel like Carolina's really played well when he's been out there. Now he's going to have to continue to be at least an offensive threat for him to be able to stay out and play quality minutes. And then, Adam, you know we both – I mean, we both love Jalen Washington as a person. I i think he has close to, if not the highest upside on the team, period. And he's just continuing to come along every single game. Now, you know, can he do it against Northern Iowa and Villanova and or Texas Tech and then whoever else they play in the Bahamas? Can he do it against UConn and Kentucky coming up in, in a couple of weeks? That's still yet to be seen, but he he is more comfortable and polished than he was a year ago. He's not a finished product, but if he continues to make that kind of growth through the year, I think that's a really exciting prospect. And we talked about him so much last year as he could be that asset that other teams don't have. Yeah. It it kind of looks like he's growing into that this year. We we were just a year ahead of schedule, Jones. Who else is going to bring a player like Jalen Washington off the bench? That That's really valuable to have because he can do so many different things. We've seen him score inside and rebound inside more consistently this year. And we talked last year about what a good perimeter shooter he is, and he showed that uh, already this year. So that would be a major benefit to have coming off the bench. And Seth Trimble, I just love the idea of if somebody gets hot against you, from the outside or in, from the guard position, then you can say, Seth, go get that guy. And whether he stays hot or not, at least make his life difficult. Because I feel like you you wouldn't want to be guarded by Seth Trimble because yeah. he's stronger than he looks. He doesn't mind contact. He doesn't mind leaning on you. You're you're going to have to work to get a shot against him. And I, I think that's another good asset. Carolina sneakily has some pretty good individual defenders. Cormac Ryan's a good defender. I think Harrison Ingram's a pretty good defender. Uh, Hubert Davis told you the other night, Jalen Washington is Carolina's best post defender. So you've got some individual defensive pieces if you can just put them together into one team defense. Jalen Withers appears to be a good defender as well. And I mean, I think we've seen even from other players' reaction last year and this year when they are guarded by Citrum, like those guys tend to get chippy when when they're getting guarded by Citrum because they don't like it. So... um, Again, this was UC Riverside. I think of the three teams Carolina's played so far, they were probably the one that has the least likely to have the most success this year. It's the nice way I can say it. And uh, um, so you, we find we start finding out a lot more this week. I mean, you're you're in the Bahamas, Adam. Tell us what the team's been doing, and uh, tell us what the feel is there as as we get ready for uh, the battle for Atlanta starting on Wednesday. Ariel's got here Sunday afternoon, went straight from the airport to a children's home here on the island. Uh, There's just quite a difference between Atlantis and the rest of the island. Mm. Um, And that was a nice reminder that where where we're spending most of our time this week is not really real life as the folks down here know it. Um, The Tarles took a bunch of supplies um, some basketball, some some Carolina T-shirts to the children's home. And, I mean, you would have thought they were dropping off gold bars. Um, but more so than just the supplies, the kids were so happy, the kids who live in the children's home, were so happy to have somebody there just to kind of hang out with them and play with them. And uh, the Tarles did a really good job of just, just kind of doing whatever they wanted to do, hung out on the playground. Of course, the weather's great, so you could be outside. Um, and they basically just – played with them for about an hour and a half. Um, and that was fun to see. Um, I will say I, I ended up, so the bus is down here a little smaller, mm. a little smaller than the uh, Tar Heel bus with the big jump man on the back. They're Adam, they're Adam sized buses. 
Yeah, I was going to say there are many buses, but if that would be another way to put it, yes. So I ended up on the bus to the children's home with all the players, Coach Davis and Hoots. So basically all the key figures yeah. in Carolina. So basketball. everybody who we, that bus had had Secret Service following them at all times. Yeah, uh, I will say we had the most uh, daredevil police escort of all time. He thought escort meant just go where you want. If yeah. that's a sidewalk, let's do it. Yeah, sure. Um, it was really cool to see in action some of the stuff the players have talked about with us about how well they get along. And you and I have both been on those buses and we kind of know what that's like. This one is different. Like they they interact differently. And it's not just, you know, you've got subset A, subset B, subset C, subset D, and they only stay in their group. This group is very much all together and, and going back and forth. Now, there's not a lot of like bring your thick skin because nobody's you, they're going to say what they want. Um, Adam, they didn't say anything to you, did they? I've got too much respect from the youngsters for yeah. them to do that. Okay, thank goodness. Just a lot, a lot of good-natured joshing. Yeah. Um, and But it was just fun to see how they interact from player one to player 14. It, it, they are tell, they're not lying to us, Jones. They are telling the truth. It is a different mixture chemistry-wise. Um, and so that was fun to see it just in action. Um, so the Tarles had a little bit of time at Atlantis on Sunday night, and then they practiced Monday off-site uh, at the site of where they faced the team in the pickup truck in 2006. Oh, yeah. Um, and then uh, going to do some some water slides and stuff, I think, Monday afternoon, practice on-site on Tuesday in the ballroom, uh, and then play Wednesday early. When you're here, you feel like you should be on a different time than at home. Yeah, same time. Yeah, it's very it's perplexing because I, I I've caught myself a couple times going, what time is it at home? Oh, it's the same time. It's not it's not hard to do the math. Adam, you and I tonight can look at the moon and just know we're both <laughs> looking at the same moon, same time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's a noon game on Wednesday. So bring your bring your lunch pail. We'll uh, we're on the air. I get to be on the air at 1030 for that one mm. for countdown to tip off here on some local Tar Heel Sports Network affiliates. That goes from 1030 to 11. And then Dave Nathan, Adam Lucas, and uh, I and me back here in our studio, we'll take you through the Reeds Jewelers pregame show starting at 11 and uh, get ready for Carolina and Northern Iowa at noon. You can tell me how this works, Jones, because you're a professional in this department. I was thinking Wednesday I'm gonna sleep till like eleven thirty. Yeah. And I'm gonna definitely I'm gonna try to be there by eleven fifty five. Yeah, game starts at twelve, but normally yeah. you know, it's probably like a twelve oh two tip. So you can right. just get there by eleven fifty eight. You're fine. Well, and Dave won't need me to say anything until the first TV timeout, which is more likely to be like 12-10, 12-15. Good point. You could stop at a couple of the tables on the way to uh oh. What a life! Yeah. What a life you lead. You're probably if the dice get warm. I might not be yeah, at the you've game. You've probably just been out there shooting craps for hours, and just I, yeah. I was lucky to get you in here to talk pod. Sorry, Adam. I, I'm I'm not. I'm trying to get our big TV. Uh, so there's some Maui Invitational games on. I'm gonna get it fired up here. Yeah, I I was excited to remember that those were happening today. There's some really good games this week, and that includes hopefully the games here. I, I think. Assuming things go the way the Tar Heels want them to go, I think the Tar Heels will play the best team they've played so far each day. Yes. I think Northern Iowa is probably the best team they've played. And if they win that one, whoever they play the next day will be the best team they've played. And if they win that one, whoever they play Friday will be the best team they've played. Northern Iowa is not great, and they do not shoot it very well. Uh, but we know that that is subject to change when you're on the court with the Tar Heels. Okay. Adam, anything else basketball-wise that we need to talk about? Obviously, we'll have coverage of all three games. Adam's going to be the analyst on the network for all three games there with Dave. And so I'll be back in the studio um, helping you out as well. So a lot of basketball action between now and the end of the week. So looking forward to that. Anything we're missing, Adam? Anything we need to talk about? People can hear you on Countdown to Tip-Off on Thanksgiving Day too, yeah. right? Oh, of course. What else would I be doing, Adam? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. I mean – don't spend time with your family. Don't watch the Lions and whoever they're playing. Just you got the Tar Heels. Ninety <laughs> minutes before the game. Ninety minutes before the game starts. Just turn the sound down. Here we go. 
that would be great instead of potentially like what if you don't want to talk to your family you could turn on the Tar Heel sports network yeah. and it's like guys I, the, i'm listening to jones can't hear you can't hear you what the, talk, what election i don't know i got jones on at the uc riverside game i met some nice ladies who said that that's the only way they watch the game is by listening to Jones. So yeah. I bet if they're eating Thanksgiving lunch or dinner at a time the Tarios are playing, they will have that sound turned down and they will be listening to Jones yeah. at the table. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate it. Um, I took a picture with him and told him that I was Jones. Oh, good. Good. At yeah. least they're like, God, I thought Jones was so much taller. It's like, he's the reverse. Taller. He's the reverse Brett McMurphy. <laughs> <laughs> he looks taller, but that's because he's always so busy doing those rapid reactions. Yeah, that's right. Hey, uh, Adam, how's the golf scene down there in the Bahamas? I uh, haven't seen any courses, but I bet they're here, but they're not as good as they are at home. I know that. Oh, really? You mean like at Pinehurst? Where there's Donald Ross's masterpiece, Piners Number no. Two, Gil Hans's stunning redesign of Piners Number no. Four. There's the fun short course, the Cradle. You can unwind at the Piners Brewing Company, and you can check it out all right down the hill from the fully renovated Manor Inn. There's never been a better time at the Cradle of American Golf than right now. Go to Pinehurst.com and plan your visit. Also, we are brought to you in part by our good friends. At Generator Supercenter. Generator Supercenter, the company for all your generator needs. You have a big bucket of generator needs, and you're like, who's going to solve all of these needs, these issues? Generator Supercenter. High quality models, factory certified technicians, turnkey installations. Their mission is to provide comfort and peace of mind. Go see our friend, Pete Chilcutt, who we just received a brand new photo of Pete. We're going to try and find room in Podworld Headquarters. Adam, Podworld Headquarters, I feel like it's exploded all of a sudden. Like we, I mean, we've always had a lot of stuff. There, like there's no room. Maybe we need to get a new Podworld, a bigger Podworld Headquarters. And remember, Bawa said he was going to yeah. bring us something from men's soccer. Yeah. Probably an official goal-scoring ball, if I had to guess. Yep. Pete Chilcutt and all the guys, ladies, friends at Generator Supercenter, proud sponsor of the Tar Heels. Okay. Adam, the Tar Heels were in Death Valley for football on Saturday. You and I were both there. This was a very frustrating game. Carolina jumped out and looked great at the beginning of the game. I mean, they they dominated the first quarter. And yet the problem was after the first quarter, the score was 7 to nothing. Carolina, it could have easily been 17 nothing. It could have easily been 21 nothing. The Tar Heels, on their opening drive, get down to the, like, one and a half or two, get a false start, and then fumble. Amari Hampton, who had not fumbled all year long, 206 carries going into the game. Had not fumbled once. Most in Division One. Yeah. Fumbled. Clemson gets the ball. They have to punt. Carolina gets it back. Tar Heels score. It's 7-0. Carolina gets another punt. Then Adam Amarin Hampton breaks through. He appears to be striding to glory. 64 yards and a touchdown. And... This bro, Nate Wiggins, who's now going to be in like the top 10 Tar Heel killers on the football field in history, comes in and great play by him to hustle from behind when he could have just given up on the play. And as, I mean, millimeters before Hampton crosses the goal line, he's able to rip the ball away and the ball bounces just wrong for Carolina, that it bounces in the field of play, around the pylon, and then out of bounds for a touchback. Like the worst possible bounce that the Tar Heels could have received. So it's a touchback. Clemson gets the ball. 
you were in, so that's twice in the first quarter where you had one possession inside the 10. You figure at worst you're going to walk away with three points. And then a play where the touchdown was all, I even said touchdown on the air. And if I got it, if I thought he scored, how could that be wrong? So Adam, and to me, as soon as that play occurred, and I'm not saying the Tar Heels on the field, as soon as that play occurred, it felt like, well, don't know how we're going to get there, but I have a bad feeling I know how this game is going to end. Frustrating. Yeah. I, it was, it wasn't funny, but it was just telling the way that the long touch, almost touchdown run unfolded there in the booth, which I got to see with my own eyes. There was the, the joy as Omarion Hampton strode away from the Clemson defense. And you thought, yes, this is going to happen. And he crossed the goal line and it was a touchdown and that we, we were all excited, but we weren't high-fiving, which sometimes people do. Uh, and then, so the, the TV above our heads was a couple seconds behind and they said they were reviewing it. And Brian Simmons looked up at that TV and then he goes, Oh, that was the first little inkling I had that something had gone wrong on that play. Mm. Cause I honestly, like, it wasn't one of those where you immediately think, Oh, he definitely dropped it too early. And I think everyone except Nate Wiggins just decided it was definitely going to be a touchdown run. But credit to him, he wasn't going to let it happen. And I had forgotten until I went back and looked at it that about that false start before the first fumble. That really kind of summed up the day. Yeah. Like the Tarions were right there, but then they did something that wasn't very helpful, and then things went terrible. And I, I mean, I think we all believe if you don't get that false start, Carolina scores on four cracks from inside the two, and instead they got zero. And that was – not good. Yeah. Yes. By the way, and Nate Wiggins got an interception later in the game. Game was pretty decided at that point, but he was also the man who had the 98-yard interception return for a touchdown last year in the championship game. So instead of scoring a touchdown to make it 24-17, it was 31-10, and that was essentially the game decider last year in the title game. And he blocked a field goal last year. So he has made enormous plays and very limited opportunities against the Tar Heels, but he has had huge plays against them now for two consecutive years. I mean, game-changing plays two years in a row. So boo on you, Nate Wiggins. Great plays, but they hurt the Tar Heels. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the penalties, Adam, and it's funny. I'm not Again, not funny. 75 yards of penalties is high. It's not make you want to go throw up high but 10 penalties is a lot and I think what it they just added up it was just like there were so many false starts I mean there had to be three or four of those penalties were false starts plus there was an offside on a fourth down there was the absolutely horrific roughing the passer in fact you know what good news see our legal team How can you justify what you've done? How can you possibly justify that? See our commitment, see our results, see our legal team, proud partner of Carolina Athletics. Adam, the the how can you justify that there's plenty of room to go around on this call on Cedric Gray. So the play we're discussing Clemson has the ball before the end of the half, trying to drive. Klubnik gets hit on third down, just lofts it into the end zone. I believe it was Geo Biggers who intercepted the pass, and the game was likely Carolina's going to take a knee and just go into the locker room 7-7, and here you go. Cedric Gray, though, was the man pressuring and making a smart football play, put his arms up as he was attacking Klubnik, Klubnik threw the ball. Gray hit him, not like egregiously late. He hit him about a beat later. But like the his tricep area, like between his elbow and his armpit, somewhere in that area, grazes Cade Klubnik's helmet. Now, some of the how can you justify that 
goes to the officials for making this call. And I, Mac Brown, at some point later in this sequence, there was a timeout, and he went, and we couldn't hear what he was saying, but you could tell by his motions he was saying, like, here's what should be called a hands-to-the-face on the quarterback and was doing the motions with his hand, not something like this where he was showing the Cedric Gray. But, Adam, the, the other half of this how can you justify that is the ambiguity of the rule. And like the officials feel like any time you touch the quarterback in his head, and of course you don't want to – if somebody takes an egregious shot in somebody's head, it should be a foul. This was not that. So that is not the only reason why Carolina lost this game, but it was a big part of this game because it gave Clemson – took away the turnover, gave Clemson some more opportunities to score, which allegedly they did at the end of this drive, even though there was a run to the four where nobody was really sure if it was a first down or not, and then Clemson spiked it on the next play, which would have been fourth down. But nobody, I at least, Adam, you were there. I never saw them signal first down. They never moved the chains. Then Clemson spikes it, and they said, oh, yeah, that was just a spike on first down. And then, of course, the Tigers apparently got in with one second left, although tough to find conclusive evidence of that on the replay. So Carolina didn't get many breaks either. And it's hard to go beat Clemson, who is a good team. I mean, I wish this game was on September 25th because I think Carolina would have had a good chance to win that game. But here right now, Clemson's playing with a lot of confidence. They found something. They're playing well, and they made, of course, a lot of plays to win the game. When you mix that in with the multiple mistakes that the Tar Heels made, with the turnovers and the penalties, and just a couple of key calls that did not go Carolina's way, and and I want to make sure that is third on the list of three of why Carolina didn't win, um, it just all added up to a really, really frustrating day because you didn't feel like the Tar Heels gave themselves the best opportunity to win the game. Yeah, I think the, the calls would have been even more frustrating if, say, in the second half, Carolina had right. looked like the type of team that was capable of taking advantage of a close game and making the plays to win instead of looking like a team that was probably going to make whatever mistakes had to be made to lose. And and that's what it felt like they did. Clem, I mean, Clemson just looked like Clemson. Whatever you think that is in the year 2023. And Carolina wasn't capable of making those types of plays. Clemson had Nate Wiggins who was out there making game-changing plays and Carolina's Nate Wiggins equivalent were not able to keep up with that level of play. I think it's fair to say that Drake may had one of his most average games as a Carolina quarterback. He was very effective running the ball, but some of the throws he made were not like some of the throws we've seen him make most of this year. And part of that is because the Clemson secondary is really good. Part of it was just some of them were bad throws. I'm sure there were some miscommunications on some. But overall, it once some of these things went wrong, you never got the feeling there in the stadium that Carolina was going to find a way to reverse things and come back and make equal type of game-changing plays to get back in this thing. Right. And it wasn't like Clemson ran away. Like they weren't, it wasn't out of distance, it wasn't out of touch. It just didn't feel like it was doable on this particular day, and it turned out that it wasn't. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. I, I think you're right. I thought Clemson's secondary really did a good job covering Carolina. Uh, yeah, I thought Carolina protected okay. Mac Brown said, I mean, and he would know better than me, he said he didn't feel like his team protected well. Um, it did at least to my – untrained eye appear as though there were some times particularly like second third quarter I mean once he got into the fourth and Clemson knew they were throwing every down that's a little different but at times in the middle of the game it felt like May had time to throw but just couldn't ever throw it anywhere Um, and then there were times where the pressure got home as well and so we said Carolina's offense and Clemson's defense were the two strengths. I thought Clemson's defense had the better day between those two. Carolina's offense did good things and then couldn't take full advantage of it at the beginning of the game. 
And so Mac Brown said in our post game when I talked to him, he said, and this isn't going to be an exact quote, but it was something along the lines of, "You can't make, you sure can't make that many mistakes and expect to win at Clemson." And to me, that's that's it. Yes, the end. That was the story of the game. Well, and I, and there's been kind of a well, gee whiz. I mean, they're they're Clemson, and they're probably going to win at home. I mean, that is true, but I think that is where Carolina wants to go. And Clemson's been extraordinarily tough to beat at home for anyone to beat at Death Valley. So for Carolina to get there, at some point, they've got to make those plays instead of just going, oh, well, I mean, it's Clemson. What do you expect? Right. Well, sooner or later, you have to hope and expect that you're going to defeat them. Um, but it just didn't It didn't feel great from, from the moment that, and the, the Cayman Rucker missed interception. Mm. which essentially was like a turnover. And we love Cayman Rucker. But I, and I think he would be the first one to tell you, like the ball was right there. Yeah. There and was a holding call on Clemson and Javari Ritzy gets a horse collar tackle penalty. Right. I mean, there, it was just like the Tar Heels could never get out of their own way in this game. Yeah. It, and it just all added up. And I, I don't know. I, I'd be interested if Clemson thinks they played great. Like, I think Cade Klubnick was okay. And Shipley and Maffa are pretty good, obviously. And their defense is pretty good. But I I didn't think they were as overwhelmingly impressive as they were in the ACC championship game when they got on a roll last year. Right. No, I agree. But, I mean, you, it's, it's a tough place to play. I mean, we saw it. that They've got a great crowd. They've got a great atmosphere. The whole thing's great. I do think had the game been on September 25th, I think it would have been different, but it wasn't, it was in November and Carolina just wasn't ready to compete at that level this particular day in November. So Adam, let's look ahead. Now Tar Heels have NC state coming up on Saturday. And of course, normally we have in a guest, we're not gonna have a guest today with um, the unique part of our show with Adam being out in the Bahamas. We'll be back with our normal format next week. Um, but when we do have a guest, they are brought to you by Independent Insurance Agents of North Carolina. Texting while driving takes your eyes off the road for about five seconds and at highway speeds. That's like driving the length of a football field with your eyes closed. Trusted Choice, Independent Insurance Agents of North Carolina want you to stay safe behind the wheel. So put down your phone while driving and let's have a hands-free NC. To learn more and find an agent near you, visit trustedchoice.com slash heels. Adam, so now it's Carolina State Saturday night in Raleigh and... State's playing well. They've won four in a row. Um, they beat Miami. Then they beat Clemson. Both those games were in Raleigh. They went to Wake Forest and won, and then won at Virginia Tech this past weekend. They've had some drama off the field. MJ Morris had taken over the starting quarterback position. He started some last year before an injury, was still recovering from that injury at the beginning of this year. Of course, they brought in Brandon Armstrong, the Virginia transfer, Armstrong didn't play very well at the beginning of the year. MJ Morris got back. He took over as the starter, was seemingly playing well, then hit the four-game played mark and said, whoop, I'm done. I'm going to redshirt this year to keep his eligibility for the season so that he could go in the portal with his most value possible. Hello, college football 2023. And so now Brandon Armstrong's taken back over, and Adam, it was like all he needed. He's kind of like – he was kind of like – you and me, after a late night, like if the Tar Heels play a 9 o'clock road game, like I'm just not going to be very good for a couple days. Just give me one day to like recoup and like sleep in, and then I'm back. And that's what happened to Brandon Armstrong. He's back all of a sudden. These last two games, he's he looks like the guy who gave Carolina boatloads of issues at Virginia, running around and keeping plays alive and throwing – crazy touchdowns and and scrambling for 20 yard gains when it's third and 15 and he just looks like that guy again and when you mix that in with a very good defense which state has had all season long all of a sudden you got a team that looks really really good and so unfortunately for the Tar Heels for the second straight week they're catching a team that at times this year was frustrated with its play but has found its groove here at the end of the season. Yeah. I mean, another case of not great timing for the Tar Heels. Um, 
it it did feel like the the thing missing from this state team was a dangerous quarterback who could make the offense some sort of threat because they, I mean there were a couple games this year where the state offense looked really bad. Yeah, Virginia, and, Duke. They I mean they just, and they even won that Virginia game, but they they just didn't look like they could move the ball at all. And so you thought, well, the Tar Heels have got a good chance against them because Carolina's offense will find a chance to score, and Carolina's defense can stop that offense. Well, that's not the offense they're going to see on Saturday. And we know, as you said, Brendan Armstrong has had some success against Carolina before, and I would expect him to do his normal Brendan Armstrong things. It'll be an incredibly tough environment, 8 o'clock on a Saturday of a holiday weekend. There are going to be a lot of Wolfpack fans trying to get away from the family who spend a lot of time in the parking lots at the fairgrounds getting ready for that one. Um, so I would expect a very, and the difference will be, it'll be as rowdy as death Valley was, but it'll be more hostile. Yeah. I think the thing about Clemson was they were all very nice. Yeah. It's like a, it, it is a, it is an, a, it is a loud crowd at Clemson, but it is not a nasty crowd at Clemson. And I it think might they, be different in Raleigh. Right. I think Clemson fans go to the game to have fun. And it like it's part of their life. Like those are six Saturdays where that is what they're doing, no matter what time the game is, whether anything else, they're doing that. They're going to have fun. They're going to make it fun. State fans are going to revel in Carolina's misery, if at all possible. And if they have fun, that'll be good. But no, that really, is fun want, to them. That is fun. Right. Really, they want to see Tar Heel suffering. That is why they will be there. Um, and and Carolina's got to be prepared to compete at that level. We know this has been a tough stretch. Mac Brown has talked about this being a tough stretch. In a lot of ways, it it feels like the the vibe from the Carolina fan base is the outcome of this game determines how they feel about the season. Yeah. Adam, just look out the window. You need to calm down. I can tell just you're starting to talk about state. It's getting y'all yeah. worked up. Look, you're in the Bahamas, Adam. Look, no one out here has any idea who I'm even talking about. Yeah. Like, you talking about the Tar Heels? No, yeah. NC State. The what now? Yeah, that's that's the problem. Um, I think State's defense is good. I don't think it's – I think it's better than Duke's. I don't think it's quite as good as Clemson's. Um, but it's good. And so, again – you are going into a game, you cannot rely on the Tar Heels scoring 49 points. Now, I think, again, I and who knows? I mean, State may play great defensively, and certainly Peyton Wilson's a terrific player, and, and he'll be first-team All-ACC, just like, I mean, I assume those linebackers are going to be Gray and uh, Peyton Wilson and, and Jeremiah Trotter from Clemson. All those guys are great players. So you got a great individual player, um, that kind of guides what is a very good defense. Um, traditionally, State has brought a fair amount of pressure. Last year, it was either blitz or drop eight. Almost every single defensive play against the Tar Heels. So we'll see how all that plays out. Uh, Adam Carolina does have the ability to run. And, I mean, Hampton, even though he fumbled, he was still the best part of Carolina's offense on Saturday against Clemson. I mean, he nearly had 200 yards rush. He is tied for the national lead in yards going into the final week of the regular season. So, one, can he hang on to the football, which, I mean, he does, you know, if these had happened in the second game of the year and the seventh game of the year, and you said, wow, Hampton's carried it 240 times and he's fumbled twice, that's pretty good. It's just the fact that he's that they happened here back-to-back but you got he's got to be part of it. He just does for and it's not easy to run against state. Just like it wasn't easy against Clemson, but I thought Carolina did a nice job staying consistent with the run and not until it got to a 17-point game in the fourth quarter, Carolina didn't fall into the okay, we just got to throw this every time. Um and so they've got to do that again. They they just they have to make sure that he is a big part of this defense or this uh, this attack, but I mean, state's only allowing 102 yards per game on the ground, so it, it won't be easy to to run it. But I think that will be important for the Tar Heels to do so because you can't just let them tee off on on Drake May. It's such a fine line because you want to use 
Omarion Hampton for all those reasons you just said, and also so Carolina doesn't get behind in time of possession like they did Oof. against Clemson. Yeah, Clemson had the ball nearly like, 40 minutes. Yeah, I mean, it, it felt like there were stretches where the Tar Heels hadn't had the ball in an hour. I mean, that was a four-hour game, and I felt like I wasn't even sure if Drake May was still there for like 45 minutes. Why was that game because, so long, Adam? It was so long. Three hours and 50 minutes, the official game time of that Clemson game. Regulation. For a regulation game. So Carolina's got to take back some of that time of possession time while still being Carolina-ish. I mean, Carolina's not like a triple option football team. So you still want to do the things that have made you successful. And Carolina has won eight games. Um, so, but you've got to utilize Hampton to eat up some of the clock, to give Drake May some other options, loosen up that state defense a little bit. They are plenty good. Carolina has got to be the team that makes fewer mistakes. I don't think you can make as many more mistakes as Carolina made than Clemson. You can't do that same thing on Saturday and win the game. You, you've got to look like the more, look, Peyton Wilson's going to do some silly things in piles and on the sideline and after the whistle. And you just, that's fine. Just let that happen. And people are going to be yelling at you and calling you names. And they've probably looked up your mama's name and all that. You know what coach Williams told me, Jones? What's that, Adam? Just wait for him for that sweet sound of silence. That's the best sound you can hear on the road. So do that. Let them make all the mistakes. Let Carolina be the the clean, disciplined team. And in the end, I think that probably ends up with a Carolina win, but you've got to be willing to commit to that for the full 60 minutes. You know Dave Doran's telling his guys this week, if you just push them, they'll break. Mm. You know he's he's basically told you after States won the last couple of years that that's what he tells them. We're tougher than them. They're soft. If you push them, they'll fall. That's what he's saying. So look out the window, Adam. Just look out the window. You're in the Bahamas. Yeah. I I was hoping this game would be at the exact time the basketball team was flying back so that I wouldn't have to live through it because it just bad for my health. Yeah. But now I'm going to get to enjoy every second. Yeah. So eight o'clock on. Saturday night, we'll be on the air at 7 p.m. for Carolina and NC State from the Bahamas. Or, no, from Carter <laughs> Finley. Basketball is in the Bahamas. That's right. There's similar similar vibes, those two places. Um, okay, Adam, anything else? Uh, oh, oh, I was going to say, uh, State does have that really good receiver, Casey Concepcion. He's really good. He's They've lined him up in the backfield some. Like, they've just tried to find ways to get him the ball. He seems to be the most explosive offensive player they have. So, he's somebody you got to watch out for. He has, I think, 57 catches on the season. And they find different ways, again, to get him the football. And he is explosive. So, that'll be uh... – and it's been so weird. Explosive plays. And there have been some. I mean, particularly Georgia Tech. But if you think about the Tar Heel defensive struggles from the past – it was explosive plays, I thought, were the number one issue. There were more than one, but that was the number one issue. I wouldn't say that this year. When the Carolina defense has struggled, it's been what Adam just talked about, about time of possession. Like the other teams just had the ball, and Carolina couldn't get the ball. And you need the ball to score. So that has been a bigger issue, whether it's – and even this game, Clemson wasn't even great on third down, but they got some fourth downs. There was a fourth down they converted due to Tariel penalty that didn't even count in the stats. And they just, that clock, it just, I mean, they almost had it 40 minutes. And so, yet again, the Tariel defense didn't play as well at the end of it because I thought the Tariel defense actually played well in the first half. But then by the end of the game, they were tired. They'd been out there forever. So, bah. It all, Adam, I feel like, feel like we're going to get, it's going to flip this weekend feel it good hope it doesn't flip over on the Tar Heels uh, the the thing about Concepcion you mentioned him Carolina did suffer a couple injuries in that Clemson game yep. that I don't know that we know the outcome of no that's a really good point and a concerning one coming out of that game for sure 
I mean, most. I mean, I think the the most obvious one was uh, Elijah Huzzy, who left what Adam in the first quarter, second quarter, somewhere in that range, and never came back in for the Tar Heels. And you know, we've talked about how important he is to Carolina's defensive effort in total. And so, yeah, got to have him back if you can. Um, Tariels are going to need Carolina's. Carolina's going to need the the best possible uh, defensive alignment out there that you can have. And he's been solid returning punts. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, good point. Yeah, good point. Okay, Adam. Anything else? Anything else that we need to talk about football or basketball before we finish things up by taking a look at all the uh, Olympic sports? and their successes this past weekend? No. Okay. Let's get to it. It is our UNC Health Champions Watch. Remember, it used to be called Champions Watch. Now it's called the Weekend Recap. Brought to you by UNC Health. Team up for life well played. Brought to you by UNC Health. You can visit their website, unchealth.org slash sports. And Adam, what a weekend for the Tar Heels on the Olympic sports side of things. Yeah, a lot of success for Carolina this weekend, starting with field hockey. Tariels win their fifth national title in six years in a barn burner. Uh, beat Northwestern 2-1, to one, played regulation, tied 1-1, played two overtimes, still tied 1-1, then go to a penalty shootout. Yeah, you don't often see the penalty shootout, or at least I haven't often seen the penalty shootout. And the Tariels eventually win in an extra penalty shot in the penalty shootout. So even the penalty shootout went to extra shots. Yeah. Remember when we told you, I don't even remember, probably sometime in September, remember the name Riley Heck. Yeah. Well, she scored the game winner in that penalty shootout. Did the little spinorama around the Northwestern goalie uh, and got the game winner. And if I'm not mistaken, didn't, she had like a penalty shot in one of the overtimes that the Northwestern keeper was able to save, right? Yes. Which, and I mean, my perception is if you get a penalty stroke in field hockey, that's basically a guaranteed goal. Yeah. So to miss one of those is a big, it changes the momentum. And to and come so back. They, and so, yeah, for her to come back and be able to yeah. get the game winner. Hey, look, there's a, She's been eating all those Wawa subs. She's a Iron Woman out there. Yeah, that's right. I, her her goal kind of overshadowed the fact that Carolina's goalkeeper Maddie Kahn was incredible, um, and she was good all year. She wins Most Outstanding Player, um, stopped the extra shot in the shootout that opened the door for Heck to make the game winner. Uh, Maddie Kahn was really good all year long. Tariels were really good all year long. Former podcast Romain Ricardo. Five championships in five years. Wow. Yeah. I, I'm not really sure if anyone's ever done that before. I I can't imagine they have, but maybe they have. So that's the 11th national title for field hockey and fifth in the last six years. Wagons. I mean, they are, they are riding that wagon for sure. Well, and I, like, I think Carolina and Northwestern are clearly the two best field hockey programs in the country. And there's a gap until whatever number three is those are the two best and they will continue to be the two best. So just a great win, great national title. Tariels love winning national title. I think how many 61 NCAA team titles now, I think. Sounds right. Sure. You could have said 161. I believe you. I think that's too high. Uh, so Tariels win it. Um, responsible for a lot of those national titles is women's soccer. Carolina Anson Dorrance's club goes on the road and wins one nothing at Texas Tech on Sunday. Bella Simber gets the goal. Texas Tech did not have a shot on goal. I watched uh I, I watched some of field hockey and some of women's soccer. And so I was trying I was kind of going back and forth between the two. And I didn't know that stat that you just said, but if you'd have asked me, Jones, how many like quality offensive attacks did Texas Tech get? I mean, I didn't maybe I saw one in the time that I was watching and it wasn't even like a real clean shot. I mean, well, you just said it. It's not like there was a clean, it's like, they're just a ball kind of rolled past the goal one time, 
but it was never Carolina. I mean, again, this is just what I saw, but that stat certainly backs it up. The the Tar Heels dominated that game as far as possession, pressure, um, and that's just how soccer is sometimes. Sometimes a game like that, you win 6 nothing, and sometimes you win one nothing. And so um, for Carolina to find the winner in a game where they clearly, um, at least on that day, were the better team, I think is a very good thing. Because there's also been times where you dominate games like that and then one ball squirts out and you, know, you get a, a fast break going the other way and it's a two-on-one and the other team scores. And that's just the, the way that game is set up. So for Carolina to find the winner in a game that they dominated was, was a big plus. And um, it, Adam, I don't know this. I mean, we, we, of course, kept up with women's soccer all year long. You know, they lost at the at the horn last year. You know, they thought they had it won, then it goes into overtime and they lose in overtime. It feels like this team was waiting to get to the tournament. And and now they're they're showing who they are. And that doesn't mean they'll win, but they have been outside of those first like twenty, twenty five minutes of the first game against Towson they have been pretty dominant in their play in the second half of that game and then the full games against Alabama and Texas Tech, both of whom are good teams. And I think this is a more wide-open field. I mean, this is this is different than what we just talked about with field hockey. Right. Where everyone knows who the two best teams are. I, I think the, the final eight teams that are left in women's soccer, any one of the eight could win, and you would say, I could imagine that. And a tough assignment for the Tar Heels now as we're recording this, I don't know what the final outcome was. So Carolina was in Lubbock. Their next game is at BYU on Friday night at 8 o'clock Eastern. There was some talk that the Tar Heels might just go on to prove it mm. rather than go fly from Lubbock to Raleigh back to Provo yeah. the week of Thanksgiving and probably have to travel on Thanksgiving or the day before to go play at altitude against BYU. They were thinking it might make more sense. Just let's we're already halfway there. Let's just keep going. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, it, it's kind of like the ACC Olympic sport model moving forward, Adam, is what you're telling me. Yeah, yeah. Anson Doran's always a big fan of that, yeah. so he wanted to go ahead and introduce his team to it. Um, so whatever they decided, the match to go to the College Cup will be Friday night, 8 o'clock, a really good BYU team. They're the top seed in this region. They're a good program. That'll be a great match. All right, we're almost finished. Don't go anywhere, but I do need you to adjust that volume. Here comes an ad. Adam, uh, I am going to try and find it here quickly. Let's see who the rest of the bracket is in women's soccer. Okay. You have Florida State v. Pitt. So, Pittsburgh, remember, they are uh, up into the Tar Heels in the ACC tournament. So, you've got two ACC teams playing there. Then you have Penn State and Clemson. So another ACC team. That's the one-two matchup in one of the brackets. Florida State was the one in its bracket. Pittsburgh has advanced as a seven seed, defeating both the two-three, uh, the two-seed Arkansas and the six-seed Memphis um, to advance to the round of eight. You've got Carolina and BYU, as Adam mentioned, with BYU being the top seed in Carolina's bracket, and then you have Stanford and Nebraska. So I mean, soon to be. ACC team, uh, Stanford, and maybe Nebraska too, for all we know. Um, Stanford and Nebraska, Stanford the two seed. Nebraska is the five. That was the portion of the bracket where UCLA was the one and they lost in the first round. So um, just from my eyes, Adam, and my knowledge of soccer, you got some schools, BYU, not that these other teams can't do it, don't get me wrong, but you've got BYU, Florida State, Stanford, Carolina, who have been – at the top pretty consistently here for for a while or in that mix at the top. And then I know Penn State's had a really good year. Carolina faced them early in the season. Clemson's the top seed in its bracket, so they clearly had a good year. So a um, lot of good teams, to your point, still remain. Yeah, that'll be a tough assignment for the Tar Heels, but they've won at BYU and NCAA tournament play before. Yeah. Uh, also still playing soccer, Carolina men's team. Yeah, uh, the Tar Heels beat Memphis two nothing on Sunday. A brace from Martin Vichian. Vichian, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he scored both their goals, and you might this might sound familiar. Carolina's defense didn't allow a shot on goal. Yeah, first time this year uh, that Carolina's opponent didn't get a shot. Bawa didn't score, so we didn't get to see the dance. Yeah, that's the only downer about this match. Yeah, 
I think uh, I think both of the goals were assisted by Quincy Herman, and I think they were both headers, if I saw correctly. So watch out. One of them was like a header. It was like a lobbed-in pass. The keeper tried to go, and like the keeper decided to be real aggressive and then realized about halfway through it was a bad idea, but then kind of half-heartedly continued to try to go get it. And uh, Vichian just was like, uh, and headed it uh, right over top of him and in. It was awesome. <laughs> I'm telling you, Tariels are hot. Who they play well, next, Adam? Well, they'll be back in Chapel Hill. So if you're wanting to see these guys, go out to Dorrance Field on Sunday, 5 o'clock. They're going to play number 14, Hofstra. Mm. I know you might think, well, Hofstra? Hofstra's pretty good, men's soccer. Yep. Uh, the winner of this match goes to the regional final. So we're down. We're at 16 teams, right? That's right. We're we're basically one week behind the women. Okay. Just taking a look to see who's left here in on the men's side. There's Clemson. Tariels, yep. SMU, uh ACC member there. Uh Virginia and Indiana, they always seem to be around. And uh Notre Dame. Oh, Duke lost. They lost in double overtime to Western Michigan. Hmm. So I hate that. Yeah. So, a lot of good teams remain, including ACC powers like SMU. So, that's uh, that's good. Good tournament. Keep going, boys. I'm I'm love. Can't wait. I mean, you got Vichian, you got Bawa, and you got Quincy Armand. You better watch out. That's like an international superstar lineup. All corners, like all corners of the globe to come here to dominate on the pitch. Yeah, the United Nations of goals yeah. coming for you, Hofstra. Yeah, UNC-UNG, the University <laughs> of North Carolina United Nations of goals. <laughs> uh, other Tar Heel men's action, really good weekend for men's cross country. We told you they were headed for the NCAA championships in Charlottesville. They finished sixth. That's the second best finish ever for this program and their second straight top 10 finish. Former pod guest Parker Wolf, the low stick, Jones mm. finished ninth. Uh, Alex Phillip finished seventeenth. So they both earn All America. Uh, Parker Wolf, the first three-time All America in program history. And then on the women's side, Fatima Alanis finished thirty-second individually. The Tar Heel women weren't there as a team, but Fatima uh, competing as an individual that gives her All America status. She passed twenty-two runners in the final two K. What a kick! Uh, I- I don't pass anybody, but that sounds like a lot to me. That's a kick, strong kick. Yeah, she and Parker Wolf been working on their kicks. They've been kicking it. So good weekend for uh, Carolina cross country at the NCAA championships. And then uh, women's basketball got a win over Elon on Saturday, 68-39. Former podcast, Alyssa Usby with her second double-double of the year. Big week for Courtney Banghart's team. Uh, they're ranked number 17 nationally pending the new poll. But this week we'll find out a lot. They're going to the Gulf Coast Showcase yeah. in Florida, which also includes Iowa. So you could have Carolina and Iowa in the finals of that event. Uh, former podcast Charlotte Smith is she still the head coach of uh, of Elon? Not sure. I think she is. I'm trying to see. I, I'm trying to check on the rankings for you, Adam, since your internet isn't good down there in the Bahamas. <laughs> Uh, Tariel's actually dropped a spot. Number 18. Those polls yeah. seem fake to me. Polls don't matter unless they rank the Tariel's highly and then they're good representations of talent. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Well, whatever. Tariel's will get all the attention they want this week when they play Iowa because everyone pays attention to Iowa. And if Carolina performs well and or beats the Hawkeyes, they'll, they'll get all the poll respect they want. Yeah. All right. Well, Adam, make sure that you hydrate and put on sunscreen. Yeah, I'm going to have to reapply before I go back out. I've already spent so much time on the water slides, and I'm obviously going to do that until midnight tonight, but when it's time to go to the tables. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, try not to – I know I know that the pod gave you a stipend that you could take down to the Bahamas. Try not to blow it all at the craps table. That would be a mistake. I just want to bring back more than I came down here with so we can afford to hang up our picture of Pete Joka. We need to buy hanging supplies. Yeah, that's a good point. Got to find somewhere to do it. These walls are closing in on us with all this history, Adam. 
what if he went over your left shoulder there? And because uh, I think Pete Chilcutt really is like three pictures worth of Tar Heel. Yeah. Those three could come down. Pete Chilcutt could go up. Yeah. Just me and Pete hanging out. Yeah. Uh, okay. No show on Friday. So sorry about that. But it's Thanksgiving and there's basketball games and football games and it will be slammed. So we're back with you next week where we'll recap the whole kitten caboodle. We'll recap the battle for Atlantis. We'll recap the football game against State. Of course, Carolina will then be on the cusp of playing Tennessee uh, later in that week. So a big basketball game coming up too uh, next time we join you. So we will be back in a week with a lot to talk about. Adam, who should uh, who should get us out of here? We don't have a big grits. We don't have a guest today. I think you got to let Riley Heck do it. Well, that's right. We have a Riley. Yeah, that makes sense. Game-winning national championship goal makes sense. We'll let Riley. Well, I bet this is probably the biggest honor associated with that championship yeah. for her. I assume the coolest thing that has happened to Riley Heck over the last 48 hours has been us reusing her See You Later Big Grits. Yeah. So Riley Heck and the RZA will get us out of here on the latest edition. Have a great Thanksgiving, by the way, of the Carolina Insider. I'm Riley Heck. See you later, Big Grits. When I was small, we had nothing at all. We used to eat grits for dinner. Pound box of sugar in a stick of margin. A hot pot of grits kept my family from starving. Steamy hot meal served less than five minutes. Big silver pot, boiling water, salt in it. House full of brothers and sisters, the pot's missing. Pilgrim on a box on the stove in the kitchen. When I was small, we had nothing at all. We used to eat grits for The Carolina Insider has been presented by Dewey's Bakery. Celebrate every day. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation of the Tar Heel Sports Network. <laughs>